This is the MLW Radio Network. Front row material. Front row material. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Front Row Material. It's not for everyone. With Jerry Lynn. And I am going to blow you. Excuse me? And Mikey Whiprack. Out of the water. Here's your host, Mike Freeland. Hello. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I can hear you. It's like on the all those cell phone commercials when they first came out. Can you hear me now? That's right. I can hear you loud and clear. Are you in the red room? Yes, I'm in the... Red room. <laughs> or else. Red room. Red room. Red room. I can't. I can't tell if that was your uh, your uh, lighten it up voice or if that was your gold dust impersonation. That was my. Well, I kind of rushed it. I could do a better <laughs> gold dust. You know, it's going to take longer to run those fingertips up your body. <laughs> I'd have to pay a little more too, wouldn't I? Yes, oh, and man. if I did Prince, chicka ow. <laughs> wow. So how you been since the last time we talked? I'm exhausted. Yeah? I mean, you know, you go to the conventions. I, I went with the intent of not getting any extra gigs or anything, and I just wanted to do the convention, and that was it. Sure. And I got surprised with a referee gig. And besides the the Friday, Saturday convention then sunday before heading to the airport and heading home i did a smaller convention at at the meadowlands so and then so i was exhausted but uh you know it it was fun though you always end up having a good time but yeah so i ended up he didn't even tell me i think he told me the day before a couple days before said yeah i got you a ref in a match i said Oh, because <laughs> last year I spread myself way too thin. I was refing, I refed a few different shows, and then one of them, the show actually didn't start till I think um, eleven thirty or midnight, something oh like that. So God. when my match went to the ring, it was one thirty in the morning. So it, it was crazy. So this year I said I'm going to take it easy, right? But it ended up not being. But it ended up being fun anyway because I didn't know what what show I was refing on or where it was or anything. And it ended up being on the Joey Ryan's penis party, Joey Ryan penis party. Now this is yeah, the first, this is it. the first ever Joey Ryan penis party, right? I think so. Cause I've never heard of a show called the penis party. Before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was there a little trepidation when you found out that uh, you were being offered an opportunity to, Perform on the penis party? No, it just reminded me of going to work for ECW. I knew I was in for uh, some some entertainment, <laughs> so I knew I was going to be really entertained. <laughs> some shenanigans and tomfoolery at well, its uh, finest. Yeah. And we got there after the show started, and so I didn't really get to see much of the show. So, but afterwards like the day after there was clips showing up on Twitter and stuff. And I, after, you know, uh, 31 years in the business, you know, you, you, you'd like to think you've seen it all, but boy, there was a couple things that I, I, I'm scarred for life. 
So, well, I, 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 I was you scarred what. before anyway. I was just about to say, if if you weren't scarred prior to that, Jerry, then nothing was going to phase you. That's well, one thing did phase me. <laughs> so oh. let, let me ask you a serious question here and then we'll get back to the to the wrestlecon and the weekend that was and the clips that appeared on youtube the uh the videos you and mikey had posted i i liked those so mikey picked you up he looked very sinister in the uh in the driver's seat oh he 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 had a big you know poop eating grin on his face because the minute the door opened, what was blaring inside the the car was, uh, do you really want to hurt me? <laughs> I was like, really? And he had it blared. Yeah, I mean, he had it blaring. And then I got in the car, shut the door. Then he rolls the windows down <laughs> so everyone outside can hear it. Wow. <laughs> oh, I think he's ribbing me because. It was my flight didn't land till twelve thirty five in the morning. Oh geez. So he, that was his way of ribbing me because he had to pick me up. Holy cow. So you were flying from Nashville to Newark. Uh I had a layover in Atlanta too. Oh my god. How long was your layover? Uh not bad. It was only an hour and a half. Wow. So what do you do during a layover? Do you just basically just find a place to sit down and read a magazine or do you go well, to a restaurant or what? An hour and a half isn't bad because the landing time or your arrival time is when the wheels touch down. So you've still got a taxi up to the terminal, wait for them to pull the jet bridge up, wait for everyone to get off the plane, get off the plane. Then you got to go find a screen, see where your connection's at. And Atlanta's a big airport. So, you know, you end up having to go to the down to the the tram and take it to another terminal, you know, so that eats up a fair amount of time. So an hour and a half isn't bad at all. No, that isn't too bad. No. Wow. So the weekend itself. So you guys get to the hotel and, and how early did your morning start on Saturday morning? I think eight o'clock. Wow. Were you rooming with Mikey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. That was the first time we roomed together. I was I was just about to say. Oh, by the way, everybody, Mikey's not here with us right now. Oh yeah, we, <laughs> I, I can't even believe we didn't even get to that yet. <laughs> oh my god, he's going to give me so much crap. Just oh. an afterthought. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, you were supposed to ask me what happened to Mikey. I was. I guess we already talked about this beforehand. That's why it. it uh, didn't. We were just having such a good conversation, Jerry. It didn't even cross my mind. I mean, no, uh, I I can't remember if it was. It had to be Saturday. Because we went after we did the convention, we went to Madison Square Garden and watched the Ring of Honor show. But uh, he's, he was getting a cough that night. And then I guess it just slowly progressed and got worse. And he texted me the, this morning saying he had to go to the ER. He was coughing so hard he couldn't breathe. Oh, my God. So it turns out he's got bronchitis and probably a pretty severe bout because yesterday when i talked to him he couldn't get out six words without sounding like he was hacking up a lung jeez poor thing yeah i i would have thought it would have been uh blockage uh of chicken parmesan down the throat but <laughs> really? I, I guess not no I, in in midtown manhattan you can't afford chicken parmesan 
that would probably they'd probably bang you for fifty five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it farm. is. They're banging you for oh. for a hefty amount for your chicken parm. We went to TGI Fridays and it was twenty dollars for a burger and fries. Twenty bucks. They banged you for twenty dollars for a burger yeah. and fries. Yeah. Wow. That, that was ridiculous. And then you grab a Guinness with that, your bill is, you know, almost forty dollars. It was after after eating that meal, my butt hurt. <laughs> But let's tell our friends a little bit about Blue Chew. Guys, if you like sex, then you'll love Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a chewable that can work almost twice as fast. Almost twice as fast. It could. It could. Yeah. A lot of things could happen almost twice as fast as the regular erectile medication known as Viagra and Cialis. It only takes a few minutes, and you can fill out a form online. You know what I like about it? What's that? You can take it on a full or empty stomach. Because, I, you know, it's handy when you don't have to take it on a full stomach. Because who wants to, have, you know, eat a big plate of spaghetti or some huge dinner so they can take this and then, you know, try and turn on the ladies when you've got a big old Dunlop the size of two tires you'd see on the back of a dually. Wow. <laughs> right? Wow. You, you went way stomach. in there. Well, Holy you know, cow. get a full stomach first, you know? That's true. If you're about to engage in coitus-like activity, pasta probably isn't the best. It really isn't. Right. Or any, you don't want to end up, you know, have to get a full stomach of food just to take that to, uh, you know, hamana hamana. <laughs> and the best thing about Blue Chew, the chewables are prescribed online by a doctor. It's made here in the United States. Blue Chew gives you the confidence in bed every time, and you, your partner, will love it. And the great thing and do it is you don't have to go have a doctor's visit and have that awkward conversation where the doctor's looking at you like, oh, so you've got a dead willy, right? <laughs> you know, the, you know, and it's embarrassing enough. It'd be like if you're, you're driving down the street in a Lamborghini and the girls on the sidewalk are screaming at you, sorry about your penis. <laughs> that would be so- a little embarrassing. I've never asked you this question before, Jerry, but who do you do a good impersonation of? Nobody. You have to, you have to do a good impersonation of somebody. I, I, I don't know. Maybe when I'm alone in the shower or in the car, I'm awesome at impersonations and singing. Man, when I'm alone in the car, I'm an awesome singer. You're, you're winning Grammys left and right. Oh, yeah, you know it. I'm winning Man. American Idol. What? If you are digging what we are putting out there, guys, Blue Chew is for you. And we got a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free by using promo code ECW. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code ECW. You know, speaking of ECW, there's been a lot of talk about somebody who might not ever need to use Blue Chew, and that's Too Cold Scorpio. And we've talked about this before. (laughs) Jerry, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you. Oh, no. You know, Ric Flair has the baby arm, and we've all heard about that. You've actually said you've seen the baby arm. Is that correct? No, I haven't. You have never seen the baby arm? A lot of people say it's historic right there. No, I haven't. Your wrestling (laughs) career isn't complete unless you've seen Rick's baby arm. Oh, it's complete. (laughs) (laughs) What are you trying to do to me? (laughs) Well, have you, have you, oh God, this is, this is going off the rails here, but you know, have you ever just by any chance come across too cold? 
Oh yeah, I've wrestled him. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure you have, but what I mean by that is, have you ever come across Too Cold? Uh, have you ever me? seen? Have Excuse you me? ever seen what? Too Cold Scorpio naked? Well, that's normally that how it saying? works. Yes, have you ever, just then by chance? How the heck do you say? Have you ever come across Scorpio? <laughs> Jeez, where are you going? That's why I was worried. I no, was I'm literally going to go, Mommy. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. So, when, no, when, why are you asking me what men I've seen naked? I'm just asking the question because the Ric Flair baby arm is, is one of those things that's that's classic that everyone I don't need knows. to see anyone's unit. I mean, it, after, you know. It's enough that I've rolled around half-naked and oiled up with other half-naked and oiled up men for 24 years. Isn't that enough? I don't need to see them naked in the shower or anything. And you've been very successful at that career as well. And in all kidding aside, if we can put all the dick humor away for just a moment, okay, we'll come back to that. (laughs) But what I want to say is, you know, I was watching Saturday night, the WWE Hall of Fame, and... They really did some different things this year with the set and with the stage and everything. But what really hit me, and I literally was just staring at the screen on the TV, and I was like, "Oh my god!" You was know where I'm going with this? Penis on the screen? Oh there wait, was, that was Joey Ryan's penis party. <laughs> have you seen Joey Ryan's giant penis? Wait, all right, what were you saying? All right, we're moving on. We're, we're not going back to that for now. Okay, what were you saying? Did you were you aware of the induction speech of DX? Did you get to see the Hall of Fame? No, I was. Okay. I was at the. You're at the, the show. Garden. Yeah, gotcha. So I'm obviously, your Twitter probably started notifying you. People probably well, started hitting you up. Correct. I wasn't looking at my phone, and all of a sudden, uh, a friend of mine in Chicago texts me, and he says, "Congratulations on the HOF." And I texted back. I said, what HOF? He says, WWE. I said, I'm not in it. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, no. Then he said, X-Pac gave you a shout out. And I said, oh, okay. So, and then, uh, then I, I looked on Twitter and someone had put up what he said. And I was like, or no, it was after the show. I think when we were heading to, when we were in the subway, I looked it up and I I showed Mike. I said, "Look at this." I said, "That was nice." And I I almost got a little misty and teary eyed. It was really nice of Sean. And I tell you what, it was it was unbelievably classy. So, Mr. Sean Waltman, we greatly appreciate that. You are a Hall of Famer, extremely oh, talented you know guy. What? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish up. And we are just humbled and uh, and honored that you took time to go ahead and give the just dues. To one Mr. Jerry Lynn. So the other thing I wanted to mention to you really quickly is you have another convention that's going to be coming up, another seminar. Oh, let me see. I know I got a convention on April 20th. You're going to be in Missouri, I believe, for this oh, one. Oh, Sedalia, Missouri on June 29th. I'll be doing a seminar. Yes. That is awesome. That is really, really cool. So yeah, since I you've really, been back. I really enjoy doing the seminars. It's fun teaching the guys. And it's gotten great feedback as well. So 
If you, we're going to post the information. If you are in the area and you have an opportunity, tickets are still available. Spots have not been completely filled yet. I might believe there's a few left, but you might want to hurry up and get that. We will post all the information on Twitter so you can go ahead and lock in your spot for that day. Oh, man. Should we, should we do an open? <laughs> After all this, we should do an open. Oh, Lord. We just well, had a death drop. Did we? Did you hear that? Yes. I didn't hear it. Oof. Well. Oof. God. Even All when right. Mikey's not here, it's happening. I know. Let's do an open. All right. Welcome to another episode of Front Row Material. My name is Mike Freeland. Oh, cut, 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 cut. We've already gone about 15 minutes. Why even bother having an open now? That was one of my best ones. Well, I don't want Mikey to feel left out, so... We can't just pull off an open. Fine, fine, fine. You're we always could, looking out for him. Well. He's we your could, buddy. You know, we could talk more about blue chews and choking the chicken. Popping <laughs> oh the pony. Or your what? favorite. I know your favorite. Jerking the gherkin. Hey, I have a, I have a jar of pickles. Hey, hold on, hold on. Let me Let me do something real quick. How do I do this? Oh, God. Let's see here. All right, you're you're uh, you're in for a treat, my friend, because I, in fact, just went grocery shopping. So let me see if I can pull. See if I can I'm pull glad this the up. video's not on. Oh, it's on now, baby! Don't you dare! Oh, oh, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna no. get it. Oh, I'm getting it. You, hey, I haven't done this oh. in weeks, so hold that thought. Don't go anywhere. There you know go. Help me! Help somebody, Mikey, please. I can't see this. I don't want to see this. No. 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 <laughs> He's tiptoeing from the fridge. No. <laughs> that's that's my Michael P.S. Hayes oh, walk I, for you. You were tiptoeing from the fridge. I'm like, oh, no. Here we go. Here we go. Let's get a good shot of this. Holes. Like Vince would say, let's get a clean shot. Oh, sure these, are big. these are big. Cr- yeah, they are. Kosher dill holes. Oh, let's crack this baby. Oh, boy. oh, come on. Oh, that's it. Got a little juice on my have, hand. Oh, that's you're it. selling it, too. Oh, my God. Oh, what yeah, do you mean? Go. Don't, you didn't have to say juice on your hand. Come on. Mm, mm. Stop. Stop it. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Mm. The no. second it touches your lips, it's just It's, it's worse when I cover my eyes. Then all I hear is your description and that and worse. At least when I look, I know you're eating a pickle. When I'm not looking, it sounds really bad. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I just want to make sure I get that salt off that. Oh, mm. help me. It's oh. delicious. All oh, right. God. Welcome to another episode of Front Row Material. I am your host, Mike Freeland, and soon to be joined by Mikey Whipwreck and Mr. Jerry Lynn. But before we go ahead and we start talking to the boys, one thing I do want to let you guys know is head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com and get your official Mikey Whipwreck and Jerry Lynn merchandise. And also, we want to thank everybody who's gone over to iTunes and given us a review. Please continue that feedback. We do appreciate that. And thank you for supporting our show. Boys, come on in here. How are we doing since the last time we did this great you're a guru <laughs> i'm just i'm just goo, <laughs> <You're> just goo. <laughs> i am an amoeba you're the pie filling i am the pie fi- i am the filling of pie 3.141592 
pie. <laughs> wow. Look at look at you, Mr. Wizard. Don Herbert. He was the guy who played Mr. Wizard? Don Herbert. Yeah. See? I've, I it's have a good show, though. And I thought I was the only one that with a head full of worthless G Wiz information. No, my head is full of cheese whiz. No, cheese whiz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the dog situation, we knew that was kind of a kind of a conundrum with you. Did he end up behaving himself the rest of the no, night? No. He is a pain <laughs> in my ass. But How? he's cute. How he's exactly? cute. So well, he's got a tail like a whip. I'm not into that type of thing. Especially <laughs> from a dog. Sure. Well, you know, there was a time in Bourbon Street. But uh with the fuzzies. <laughs> I keep calling it fuzzies. It's furries, it's a furry. isn't it? It's a furry. Oh my god! Either way, it's either fine. way, I'm scarred for life. Either way, I can get you guys in on a group discount if you want to come to the convention. So let me know. You what? I can get you tickets to what? The convention, the furry convention. If you guys want to join me, no. <laughs> I'm one of the guest speakers this year. No thanks. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if you change your mind, just let me know. I can I can get you in. You should worry. Because Mikey and I have seen stuff human beings should not witness, and we're turning you down. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this right, is true. Hey, we have seen things. Bad things? You hear the fucking dog. Do you hear him? No. He's, I hear him. He's whining at the door he wants to come in. You should let him No, in. I shouldn't. Well, he's going to continue to do it, and it's going to annoy you. It'll annoy me if he's in here. Because then his tail will start going. He- he'll start, like, munching at his <laughs> no balls. <laughs> You, can you give him a treat or something? I mean, just to kind of calm him down, a bone maybe? I don't know. Maybe he's just Go. looking for his balls. He's like, where the hell'd they go? Oh, I don't have them. Like you said last week, they're in my wife's purse. I thought they were at the restaurant that I made reservations for. What? Ch- Chipotle's? <laughs> no, Chivago or whatever that's called. You're talking about Spago. Spago. Okay, Spago. What did I say? Do you hear him? Do you fucking hear him? It can't just be me. I can't be I, imagining this. I don't hear him. I cannot. I can't hear a single thing. It is dead silent where you are. Damn, I'm hearing things now. Fuck. It's all those chair shots. I was going to say, thank you, Balls Mahoney. Uh, there were none of those. Nope. You Not didn't take me. one from him. Not one. I told you it's in my contract. Oh. Ah, very smart man. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were kidding around. You literally never took one from no. him. No, I haven't either. Wow. I was too afraid if if i just saw him standing in front of me with a chair raised up over his head you would have seen me scream like a girl and run i would have peed that's in the cards too <laughs> peed and then run but you would take the van daminator though i find that to be very interesting you you'd take one but you wouldn't take the other well like i said i learned to spin off of it really quick could you spin off of his chair shot no cuz no. then you're a cunt <laughs> <laughs> I think Mikey just called me the C word. I think he did. No, 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 no. If if you would have done that when taking the chair shot from balls, you would have been yeah. considered a cunt because that was ECW. You couldn't you couldn't fade away from the chair shot. You had to be a dumbass and take it. The part that was, I the, thought, mentali- that was the mentality back then. The part I thought that was the dumbass part is people saying that if you put up your hands, uh, you're a wuss. And I thought, what would you really do if you were in a bar and someone's swinging a chair at your head? You're not going to go, okay, do-do-do. Yeah. That is correct. Sabu always said that because he always put his hands up on a chair shot. That's he what you would fu- do. They think it's fucking real, but you're not going to put my fucking hands up. <laughs> right. Go That's on. what you really would do. Like, you are absolutely correct. So how would you describe the thought process uh, with anyone else who just straight took it? Masato Tanaka went ahead and took it. 
How would you describe it? Well, him? every time he went back to Japan, they would get mad at him and tell him to take it easy on the chair shots because he wouldn't he wouldn't even be able to function correctly and wouldn't even practically know his own name. Really? Yeah. You, you got to figure though, too, Mike. This is you're talking. You're going back twenty years now, where the mentality right. was a whole lot different than it is now. You know, we we have evolved as a people. Yeah, there wasn't all the <laughs> concussion studies and stuff. It was always just, oh wow, I got my bell rung, but got to go work the next night. Yeah. Well, kind of going into some of the things that we have talked about before. If you guys remember, last week we touched on Shane Douglas and his relationship with Paul, and Shane being looked upon as kind of like Paul's guy. Now, kind of going with that whole theme here, I guess to part two. What were your thoughts, Mikey? Let me ask you this: When Shane went ahead and threw down the NWA title, when we were talking about how you know ECW was trying to get off the ground and they were trying to kind of create a buzz for themselves. What was your thoughts when that happened, and do you think that was another one of those pivotal moments with the company early on? I thought at first it was planned ahead of time between everybody, you know, not just not just Shane and Paul and, and Todd Gordon and them. I thought it was the plan from the beginning that you know that's just what they were going to do. I didn't find out till later, and by later I mean about ten minutes that you know <laughs> they you know hoodwinked uh, Dennis Carluzzo. In the you know the NWA, so I you know it, it was uh, for me that was like my first experience with like a like a shoot type like a swerve like a real life swerve. So I, I was all like, "Well, that was pretty fucked up." Like, this, <laughs> this, does this really happen? Like, you know, I thought this was all you know planned out and choreographed and you know figured out ahead of time and all that stuff. So, but, is there a bad scene in the back? It wasn't like a bad scene. From what I could tell, it, it was just like kind of like Dennis Carluzzo, like you know, almost like you know, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck. It was no screaming and yelling and everything else like that. And then you know, if there was, I wasn't privy to it. I wasn't, you know, I didn't see it. But somehow they got Dennis Carluzzo to believe it was all just an angle, and he they actually got him to cut a promo, you know, about the actions of Shane Douglas for TV. Wow. So somehow they they convinced him to you know go along with everything. After the fact, after he got fucked. Wow. So it was pretty fucking weird. For, it, the whole thing seemed kind of weird. And just to kind of give you a background, everybody who might be wondering, you know, what exactly was going on here. So you guys had a relationship with the NWA. Right. And just prior to that, WCW had a relationship with them, but they broke it off. And then from the standpoint of the NWA, they wanted Shane to be their guy to be their flag bearer, and then to kind of come back periodically and work ECW, but predominantly be the NWA guy. Now, Did they, did they want Shane? Shane? I had, thought they wanted Benoit. From everything that I've I found out, they wanted Shane to be the guy, and that the right. agreement was with Dennis and Paul was that he would come back and he would do some spots for ECW because of his relationship with Paul, but he would be the main flag bearer for the NWA. Right. And... They had the opportunity. Shane said he had the opportunity to go one of either way. I could stay with Paul. We could try to build this thing because it's just started, or I could go ahead with Dennis and I could do that. But interesting thing here with all of this: the Wednesday before this happened, Dennis Corluza was on Mike Tenay's radio show, and I'm not sure if you guys remember this, but Corluza went ahead and buried Shane, which. I guess to this day, it still really hasn't been determined whether or not that that was a work or a shoot. Had you heard about Dennis's appearance on today's show and what he had said, Mikey? No, had no idea. So he had basically said that you don't want to book Shane 
He will take your deposit. He will no show and he will screw the company. So do not book Shane. And what Shane was, well, that's a great question because Shane himself did not even know why Shane had said he'd never even, even met Dennis prior to all of this, prior to the title tournament, never met the man in his life until he got to the arena that night. And Dennis was just following him everywhere and would not leave Shane alone. And Shane had to go to Paul and say, tell this guy to leave me the hell alone. He was following him in the locker room, in the bathroom, etc. So why he would go and say that, I don't know. Once again, I don't know if he was it was a was an angle. He was trying to work. I have no idea. Well see, that, but see, Shane that, that, definitely that leads knew. me to believe that Shane wasn't their guy. Or wasn't Dennis's guy at least. Well then why would they want to put the strap on Shane maybe, and maybe, have him win the tournament? Well maybe the NWA did. Maybe Dennis didn't. Ah. Maybe Dennis wanted Benoit. Right. Maybe it was his last uh, last ditch effort to swing the vote. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to get Shane and we'll have to ask him. We are going to have to ask him about this because there's a lot of moving pieces with this story. You know, some of them seem pretty, you know, concrete and then there's other moments where you're like, "Wait a minute. How does this fit in with everything else?" But what do you remember about the tournament itself and what do you remember, Mikey, about the relationship you guys had with the NWA? I just remember that there were a couple groups that had the NWA name in their in their title. Like there was NWA New York, there was, you know, NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling. And I don't know if they had to pay the NWA. Yes. You know, they had to, they had to, you can use the NWA name, but you have to pay us so much amount of money. Yes, because there was independents popping up all over the country that were using the NWA initials, and every single one of them had to pay to use the initials. Which, to me, made no sense, because the NWA, I mean, that was like, you know, WCW. You know, once WCW pretty much got rid of the NWA, it was kind of like nothing. Like, there was nothing to it anymore. That's what I thought. So I thought, why spend money on a, you know, now defunct promotion? Yeah. So it it, it kind of didn't make sense to me, but I didn't know all the inner workings of it. So I said, well, okay, well, it's, you know, I didn't, I was 20 years old. 20, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know any better. I, you know, all, all I knew is what I heard. You know, just from my, as a fan point of view, not understanding why, you know, was this like NWA? Was it, you know, and then, well, they're trying to get the territories back and have an NWA champion that would travel from territory to territory. And I'm going, okay, I don't know if that's really. Well, I understand, you know, work. a lot of it was the history and the nostalgia. That's yeah. what I think it was, you know. But good luck getting all kinds of different indie promotions to work together and have one champion travel around. Yeah, but I'm still, tr- I'm still trying to think of why Dennis would bury Shane. That's a good question. Like, why would he do that just days before? I mean, he's sitting in the front row with Todd Gordon. I mean, he was all grins and smiles, according to Shane, because obviously Shane was going to raise the belt. And then Shane decided at the last minute that he even said that he was torn. Even when he was cutting the promo, he was torn yeah. whether I do it or not. Right. But then he threw it down and, and said, no, I'm going to raise the banner of ECW and everybody can kiss my ass and and all that. So I mean, that was just – I. Don't, a work shoot or anything, that was just a great angle, the way he did it. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. Well, that was that was one of my questions. So, you know, you said there wasn't a whole lot of cursing and, and going back and forth, I guess, with Dennis in the back afterwards. But what was the, do you remember any of the sentiment of, of the rest of the guys in the back? Like, did they think, oh, this is a work? Or did they think, holy crap, what the hell did we just witness here? I don't know. Like I said, I was so new to the business back then that I really wasn't paying attention to what everybody else was doing. You know, me just watching it going, 
oh, damn, that was fucking cool. You know, and then finding out, you know, a few minutes later that Dennis was all pissed off about it. You know, that they, they, they swerved him. You know, they double-crossed him. And then but, they did it again when they had him go out and cut a promo. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was like, like a double swerve. Guy. Yeah, I don't. Well, that's just genius right there. I mean, is it genius or stupidity? Stupidity on Dennis, genius on getting him, you know, Paul or whoever getting Dennis to believe, and it was an angle. Yeah, I just, I don't know if it, if it was me and they, you know, shit all over the thing I just came up with. I don't know if they'd be convincing me to cut a promo to further develop their angle that I had no idea about. Yeah, that 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 doesn't really uh, lend itself to a whole lot of common sense being used. But for, just for me, but Let, for me as a fan, it was just it was just cool. Like, sure, it's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That was really fucking cool. You know, now now we're extreme championship wrestling. I'm like, okay, cool. And then that was pretty much the raise the gauntlet. Here we go. We're off to the races now. Why is it me? But that just screams that has Paul Heyman written all over it. You know, he sees an opportunity to go ahead and really, you know, highlight you guys in the same breath as one of his guys being recognized as the NWA champion, but then say, no, NWA is dead. ECW is here. And this is where we are. And it's our time right now. I mean, it was just, just great fucking timing on his part, you know, cause it right. was like, you know, yeah, you had all the wrestling press was there. You had, you know, a hundred some odd fans that came over from Japan to watch the show. So you had the Japanese press there, you know, it was just, it was just perfect timing. Like you couldn't have planned it any better. You know, especially with uh, – <laughs> I'd take another drink. I forgot what the fuck I was going to say. Well, let me ask you guys this question, and, and this kind of goes to both of you guys. When it came to ECW and as far as the press coverage and, and the media and whatnot, and you talked about you know Japanese reporters and whatnot. Did you feel like you guys got a fair amount of coverage when you guys would do your Friday night show? I don't know. I guess at that time I wasn't paying attention. Say that uh, again. We're what? Did did you guys feel like you got a lot of of press? Did you guys feel like you got a lot of you know coverage within the dirt sheets and you know in the magazines? Because you had mentioned before there was a, you said there was a contingent of people from Japan that were over covering it. And- okay, this this should explain it. <laughs> this, when Lance and I were traveling together, we'd uh, we'd stop at a you know Walgreens or a drugstore to go get some tape and. And a few other things. And he'd say, hey, let's go stop and uh, look at some wrestling magazines that we won't be in. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So maybe we weren't getting a lot of press. We we, we didn't have the the politically correct upfront press. We we got like the dirt sheet, you know, the tape trader press is what we got. We we weren't in in all the after mags and things like that. It was just a different ball game back then because there was no social media and anything, you know. So it was, you know, it was it was all, it was all well, word of reason, mouth and tape traders and you know the dirt sheets in their infancy. Well, the reason I bring that up is because with it, with something like this being as big as it is, you would think that crowning of a new NWA champion would have been something that everybody would want to cover. You know what I mean? Well, they were- the magazines would have been there. Bill after would have been there. Like people would have been waiting like, Oh, well, who's going to win this tournament because we want to go ahead and focus this on our next magazine. That's, right. That's kind of what I was going to say before. They, they kind of, it kind of did have the press behind it. You know, it wasn't necessarily the ECW guys had the press. It was this NWA tournament had the press. Yeah. But just that one incident. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Shane used that to, you know, to, and Paul used it to jumpstart everything. 
because we had the attention at that point. But for the most part, no, we did not have the after mag press and all the, you know, we, we weren't the wrestling darlings. No, it was, still all, magazine. it was still all WCW and WWF. Yeah. Memphis. What? What kind of a relationship did either one of you guys have with with Dennis Carluzzo? Did you had either one of you guys worked with him before on a show, or was this kind of the first introductory meeting with him when they came in to work with ECW? Well, in Minneapolis, Dennis and Ed Sharkey did two combined shows, and they were bigger shows. I mean, he that's where I first got to wrestle Candido, and when. Uh, X-Pac, when he was a lightning kid, he got to wrestle Sabu for the first time. And, and they had, you know, I think it was uh, Terry Funk and Road Warrior Hawk wrestled. And, I mean, they, they threw together some big names and stuff. So, But I don't know if I impressed Dennis so much because he never brought me out east to work. <laughs> so I never, I don't think I met him before then. I think that was the first time I met him. And probably the, and I think, thoughts I think on the him? last time I, were, I met him, too. <laughs> what were your thoughts on Dennis? Uh I mean, as brief as it was. I mean, he seemed like a nice guy, I guess. It was just more like a hello, nice to meet you. Yeah, same with me. I didn't get a chance to talk to him much. I just just thought, oh, another promoter. Yeah, I didn't get any vibe at all. Not good, not bad. It was just, hey, guy. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. Well, that was the first night I met Dave Melcher, too. Paul introduced me to Dave Melcher, and I had no idea who the fuck Dave Melcher was. I didn't know what the Wrestling Observer newsletter was. You know, my, my idea of a, of a dirt sheet back then was Pro Wrestling Illustrated Weekly. <laughs> you know, Kurt, Coach Kurt's Wrestling Line, 9761111, back in the day. <laughs> Ads of apartment wrestling. It, yeah, well, that too. But, see, I'm, I'm fucking dr- – see – was, was, I suck was, no, tonight because I can't remember let me, anything. <laughs> wow. Did, did we just get our first uh, uh, impersonation of Mr. Jim Cornette? No, no that, that, that was, was impersonation that was, of, of Bruce Pritchard. Oh, I thought it was Mikey being a little girl. <laughs> oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you, Jim? As you're pulling on your nipple rings like the Cajun coach and the water boy. Wow. I told you I'm scarred for life. <laughs> so so bef- before you shit the bed anymore, let me ask you this question because I-, I just think this is interesting. Shane had mentioned also that you guys had been doing some pretty good crowds when you guys were starting your relationship with the NWA. So, I mean, as far as business was concerned, it was it was good. You guys had more people attending than, than previously attending. I don't, I Would don't, you agree with that? I don't that? think it had anything to do with the NWA. None. You think it was just ECW itself just starting to gain that momentum? Yes. Paul took over the book in, what, September 93 from Eddie Gilbert. He brought in his guys. He started intertwining the guys he brought in with the guys you know that were there from ECW and just kind of started to morph things up a little bit. And he gave it a bit of an, an, an edgier product. And I just think that the, the, the crowd just started to go up a little bit. I don't think the NWA had anything to do with it. Nothing against the NWA. But I just I don't think they had anything to do with it. You think it was just the evolution of what was happening at the time? Yeah, I just think we we started with get some momentum. We just kept it going, kept it going, kept it going. The tournament came up in August of '94. Paul used that with the attention that the tournament did get from the press. Use that to catapult ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling. Get rid of the NWA. Get rid of the Eastern part. Make it extreme because he knew that extreme was going to be a buzzword. He knew it back then. You know that was going to be the thing. You know, get rid of the eastern part because then that you're you're limiting yourself to a certain region. You're eastern. You know, extreme is very generic, and you can go anywhere you want at that point. So I, I just think that the he started to get some momentum. 
and it kept it growing, it was growing, and then this this NWA tournament was the chance for him to really just okay, here we go, we're gonna pull the trigger on this one, and then that was it. Nothing against NWA, but I don't think they had anything to fucking do with it. Well, I mean, they didn't really have a whole lot to offer after the relationship ended with WCW. I mean, like you said, Jerry, that that was a dying brand at that point, you know? So what really did they have to offer to ECW? Nothing. Just nostalgia. Yeah. I don't think they had anything to offer WCW either, to be honest. What, what did they bring to WCW's table? NWA. Well, exactly. They were gone, they were gone for a while well, the, from there they, when they went to WCW and Turner bought it. Right. And then they well, wrote it back in, what, 92? They did. See, I was shows you what yeah. I was. Well, I was bouncing back and forth to Japan a lot. I think I went to did six tours of Japan that year, so I was I was just in another world. I think they tried several incarnations of the product before it just it just didn't have any legs anymore. Like you said before, nothing against it. It just it was the end. Like you know, there there was really nothing you could do with that it. That big that big gold belt that Flair had, the one that he made yes. famous. When when he left WCW in what, ninety one? Yeah. And took it to WWF. For me, that was the end of like the NWA WCW. Because then WCW got their their new belt, mm-hmm. that hideous thing that they <laughs> they got. And then they used that it was, you know, the you know, the WCW champion. International world title. Well it wasn't even that, it was the it was the WCW champion. You know. And then right. years later they brought it back when they had that tournament. I what who's it? Was it Chono in it? And Rick Rude? I forget who it was. But they brought it I back. Think it they, was rude. they brought it back then. They, then they had the NWA tag team tournament where they right. brought in Doc and Gordy with the Steiners, which is like a, a, a dream match at the time. But they tried to bring it back then in what ninety ninety three maybe I don't know. We have to check the dates on that. But it, I don't think it meant anything to WCW then either. So it probably didn't do anything for their business. Either. Well, no one in WCW cared because they thought Ted Turner had bottomless pockets and everyone was there to take his money. And then when he merged with Time Warner, everyone failed. I mean, they didn't realize that there were other big wigs to answer to. And they were the ones that were that didn't want to lose money. Turner was very loyal to wrestling because it's what kept him afloat during the Superstation years. So it, when I was there, it was like no one, no one took any pride in their work. No one cared. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, th- there wouldn't even be a board up with matches or a format or segments until 10 minutes before going live on worldwide TV. And I'm like, how can you run a company like this? It was ridiculous. Who had the book when you were there, Jerry? Uh, probably about three people, probably Hogan, Bischoff, and Kevin Sullivan. Because prior to that, didn't Flair have the book? Uh, pff, I don't know. I think he did. I think he did have it at one point. Yeah, I think he did have it at one point. Yep. I think he had it when Shane, when so- Shane Douglas was there. Well, and that's in, bringing it kind of full circle back to Shane. What kind of upset Shane with this whole Dennis Corluso thing was he said that Shane said in 94, even when ECW was, was starting to kind of bubble up, he said that most of the roster in ECW, 75% of their income from the wrestling industry was on independent bookings. It was not coming directly from payment from Paul. Would you agree with that? Yes, because Paul wasn't running that often, every three or four weeks, maybe a spot show here and so there. Got- so you weren't running consistently every weekend at that point. It was every three or four weeks. And at that point, it was only two shows. You know, you'd have your arena so show. people had to take outside bookings. Yeah, yeah, if you wanted to survive just on wrestling, you had to. So when you first got in there, you weren't you weren't working every single weekend then, were you? No. Like I said every three or four weeks. You know, with an occasional house show, a spot show here and there. Sure. You know, but for, for really, it was really just a, we do a Friday show, you know, which would – I forget, I have to look and see when it changed over because we stopped doing TV tapings altogether. We used to do like the big arena show. 
you know, that everybody everybody still knows to this day, all the, the big arena shows. And then we do TV the next night or the next afternoon. At which point, we were giving out free hot dogs and beer just to get people in the building. But eventually, we stopped doing TV tapings, and we were just doing the arena shows. And Paul would just used the arena shows, put that on TV. There's there's that fucking dog again. He's trying to get in. I see his I see his nose <laughs> under the door. Jerry, let me ask you this: Is is that the reason why you did so many tours of Japan in the early to mid '90s? Was just obviously to supplement income based upon what you were doing in the states? Yeah, yeah, because. Uh... I was just doing, you know, small indies whenever I could in the States. So when I got the opportunity to go to Japan, I would because it'd be, you know, uh, usually three weeks of solid pay. So, but, you know, it wasn't fun because you were working every single night for three weeks straight. So by the, at the end of the tour on your, you know, when you're coming home, boy, you could barely stand up straight. So is that reason why you didn't stay over there longer was just because it was just too physically demanding? No, it was just other opportunities. Cause you know, I just, as my career went on, I always created more goals to achieve. And, you know, so of course when it, you know, a lot of people, their goal is to get to Japan. And then, uh, you know, of course, when you break into wrestling, you want to get to the big time, of course. You got to create realistic goals. You can't right away get in a business and say, yeah, I'm going to main event mania. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to be realistic <laughs> and create goals that are, you know, are realistically achievable. If you could, would you have, would you have signed a contract long term to stay over in Japan if the money was right? Oh, that's a good question. I guess at the time... Ah, I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough call because, you know, it would have depended on the money. But, you know, that that's tough when you're working that many days straight because the one longest I went over was four and a half weeks. And I think I only had two days off. So that was rough. So when it comes to to this time period as well, you know, specifically the tournament itself, kind of talking about Dennis, talking about how. Mikey, you had mentioned before that they weren't really running all the time. It was maybe a couple times a month and that you guys were having to do a lot of other work outside of that. What were I you worked at Kmart. You were still at Kmart in the garden department, right? Yeah. I worked at a temp agency <laughs> that way. Yeah. Wherever they put me, I would tell them up front, you know, hey, I might need to leave for two weeks or three weeks. And they were always fine with it. So and then when I came back, I always had a job. Nice. Let me ask you guys this. I saw this and I thought this was interesting and I want to bring it up to you guys. Whether or not you'd seen this or had heard of it, it was called The Authentic True Story of ECW. It was hosted by Corey Graves, who's currently with WWE on their announcing team. They did talk about the school and they did talk about everyone's pseudo names that they had when people would call the school, right? Right. But there were – but they were saying that Bubba handled a lot of the the booking of the buildings and a lot of the financial aspect behind it where he would have to – he would book the building and then have to go ahead and collect money. And so he was involved with that. And Taz was also doing a lot of things with the T-shirt designs and the merchandising and all that. So I wanted to get your take on that. How much of that were you in, involved with or were you aware of that other guys were doing outside of just wrestling? Uh, I knew about it because I was there every day, you know, so, you know, I'd sit with Bubba and, you know, hear him talking to the buildings and he'd call every day and he'd get an update from, he had a rep at Ticketmaster. I can't remember what her name was, but he would call her every day. Hey, what's, you know, what's ticket sales? What's this? You know, he would talk to the buildings. He would talk to, um, you know, the people getting the posters made. He would talk to. The guys in the studio about getting the commercials done so we could put them on, you know, 
you know, put commercials on doing Raw and things like that. You know, so so Bubba was all into the, all that. You know, he would talk to Paul all the time. You know, who who are you bringing in? Who we who are we booking? What are you going to do for a main event? You know, what are you going to do here? Is is what we're doing at the arena on Saturday going to affect the show next month in, in Fort Lauderdale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bubba was he was really big into into all that stuff. Then he do a lot of promoting at the Peeler joints. Yes. <laughs> what what was <laughs> Give your money to the honey. <laughs> I still like a dollar maybe some hollow. Like yeah, I don't know if the, you know <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one there. But yeah, $2 I mean, dollar Tuesdays. <laughs> I forget where was the place there was a place in Now I'm gonna be honest here and say this. I'm not just saying this because this is public knowledge or, or you know, publicly obviously <laughs> out here, but I never frequented the peeler joints. It was a waste of money. That was never my deal. Never. I think one time on the road, uh, gosh, I, this was somewhere in ten. I don't know if it was in Art, wait, Kentucky or Tennessee somewhere. After I got one drink, I looked at the other guys and said, "As soon as I'm done with this, we're leaving," because <laughs> it was like ten dollars. <laughs> Oh, it was, it was just like nasty. Oh, that too, that too. Like I just, it, it just felt scuzzy. Well, plus I worked in one for a year, you know, and after about two weeks, the novelty wore off. So, was there anybody that you guys worked with that was big into wanting to go to the uh, the strip joints? Anybody who was like, hey, who wants in? Oh, for a while, it was like that was like the thing, especially that place in. Jerry, what was that place in Fort Lauderdale all the guys would go to? I don't know. I never – oh, wait. Fort Lauderdale? Yeah. The only one I know of years ago, and I went and worked there for two weeks for a paid vacation, was Pure Platinum. In Fort Lauderdale? Yes. Yeah, I think that was it. But, you know, we'd be in Fort Lauderdale, and so, oh, this is where we're all going. I'm going, yeah, I'll stay at the hotel, and I'll just drink here at the bar. You know, but we we all stayed in, in Fort Lauderdale. We stayed at that Days Inn on A One A. This place was a dump. A One A Beachfront Avenue, Detroit Avenue. Yep. I mean, this place was dumped, but I mean, this is where all the guys stayed. I mean, it was cheap. You know, had the pool out there. They had the bar, happy hour from eleven a.m. to eleven p.m. <laughs> so that was nice. But it's a long happy hour. Yeah, you know, we were jumping off off the roof into the pool. You know. It was, a good time. And the high spots. Speaking, of, just kind of getting back to this really quickly. So I guess I was a little surprised that there were so many people that were involved in doing other things other than being just a performer. So that kind of caught my eye. I thought that was interesting that they were so involved. I, I just wasn't familiar with that. But Bubba had gone on and said his family had been in the oil business in the restaurant business, and he just kind of picked up the the business acumen from his family, and it seemed like he really enjoyed it. He did. He was really fucking good at it too. Like he was he he was organized. He had it down. Like I said, every day he'd make the phone call, Ticketmaster. He'd call the building, get their sales from you know from the box office. He would he would deal with all the the uh, the the cable companies to get the commercial on during Raw and Nitro. I mean he. Somebody knocking at the door. Hello? Hold on, there's someone coming in. Uh, Candy Graham. Hey, hold on. Up right there. 
Alright. And how much longer? <laughs> 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 Two minutes. How long? What did Jim Ross say one time? Tell him to take this mercifully home or something like that. Tackle drop down, take it home. All right, gentlemen, we have Fear of the Dark this week. This was picked by Jerry Lynn. Yes. Is there, is there a different Jerry that would pick it? <laughs> I don't know. Is there? Jelly Rin? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, if he picked it. Yeah. No, he would. Jelly Rin would pick Roudness. <laughs> no, but in preparation for Fear of the Dark here, I am sitting literally in the dark with, with candles going. Ooh. Almost like a, can- a candelabra type thing that should be on my piano that I don't have. Got a nice yeah. glass of Chianti. Oh, some, some fava, fava beans. beans. <laughs> Chianti. Oh my God. Yeah. I dig the song, Jerry. I haven't heard it in a long time. And then when you, when you, you said that was your suggestion, I go, oh, let me check this out. So I went back and I'm like, yeah, I remember this. This yeah, is good shit right here. When I first mentioned it, you kind of almost sensed the, the Scooby. Huh? Uh, I'm going, oh, Fear the Dark. I go, do I know that? I like Iron Maiden, but I've never been like, yo, go Maiden. Mm. You know? Right. I've, I've seen a, a couple times at concert. You know, what? I have never seen them. What? I know. I'm shocked. Oh, I'm They're coming up. to Nashville in August, I think. So I'm well, gonna, you better go. I am. I find that just the... The general, quote-unquote, traditional metal sound has evolved over the years, uh, but yet it still calls back to classic uh, rhythms and the, the the cadence and the way that the songs are, are played and, and, and orchestrated. So my favorite thing, though, about this song is the, the melody that whenever they do it live, the crowd dominates. They hijack oh, yes. the song. That's yeah. what I love about it. It's like a very good... Um audience participation song yeah often it's louder than the band itself yeah it's great i like too that it has a very extended uh almost like an opening where it doesn't really kick into like right like what i get a minute and a half into it that's another reason i like it it's because it starts slow and it just builds and it takes you on an emotional roller coaster ride yeah and another great aspect of the song is the halftime that the drums kick into um, so, like most of the songs, got the the upbeat, the and then when it gets into the halftime, it's that like it gets more on a Sabbath side of things. Like it's just very, very cool. Shifts all over the place. Like this song is a great example of if you were to just pick one of the handfuls of. Iron Maiden songs to represent the band. This is a great one to, to put forward. See, this song brings back memories because I remember listening to it as a kid and being freaked the fuck out. Really? Because I am petrified of ghosts. Oh. And and just the lyrics in the song, he keeps talking about like someone's watching me and they're like, there's something near. I'm going, yeah, man, that's me. Because if I'm, seriously, if I'm alone by myself, every fucking light in the house is on. There's music fucking playing. I don't need to hear any creepy noises, nothing. So I need lights on. I need, you know, everything going on. 
I'm in the dark now with candles because I know my wife and the kids are in the other room. But if I was here by myself, forget it. <laughs> so I take it if we were ever together on Halloween, you wouldn't go haunted housing with me? Uh, or on a haunted trail or something like that where you'd walk through? Like the fake ones? Yeah. Now that doesn't bother me, the fake ones. Oh, okay. Ones. But, <laughs> like, it, it... Because who fucking knows if there's anything really out there? Like, you know what I mean? But I'm not willing to take a chance. Like, I say, oh, go go walk through Gettysburg and you can see all the... No. <laughs> I'll go to Gettysburg on the 4th of July in the middle of the day in 110 degree weather in the sun. I'm not going there at nighttime. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. You're the librarian in Ghostbusters, aren't you? Yeah, but I'll tell you what. If I turn around the corner and someone looks at me and goes, you'll never hear from me again. Or, I like your doll. Look, I'm getting goosebumps and freaking myself out. I just <laughs> st- stop talking. But yeah, no, the, the, the song has a huge buildup. It's got... It's got everything going on in it, and every solo possible, lots of melodies. The song is great, and I think it lends itself really well to um, kind of those subgenres. Even even a couple years later in Sweden, with you know melodic death metal, they pull a lot from Iron Maiden. Like Iron Maiden's a really important band that, even if you're not a direct fan of Iron Maiden, they have influenced pretty well every band that you love. I think they're one of the most over metal bands ever because. Anywhere they go, if they run a large outdoor stadium, they will draw anywhere from 70 to 100,000 people. Fear of the Dark was nominated for a Grammy Award in 94 for uh, Best Metal Performance, but lost to I Don't Want to Change the World by Ozzy. Well, you know, you know, hey, nothing, nothing like losing to the best. I lost to Jerry every night and I had no problem with it. Great. Now I'm jobbed out again. No, you're not. I put you over every night. You I don't think d- I've ever beaten you. Yes, you have. I have? Didn't matter, though. Oh. I was just glad we got to roll around together. Oh, yes. Fear of the clutch. Fear of the clutch. The one thing I did want to just find out, what was this whole Holiday Inn thing? Did you guys have fun at a Holiday Inn? Because I, 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 I definitely was wondering if you guys had any interesting stories about the Holiday Inn. Well, that was the hotel that he was – well, after they uh, – this – now, the Travelodge is before my time. But I take it so much stuff went on there that they weren't allowed back there, Mikey? Uh, or no? How would that – how did it come about where they stopped going to the travel lodge and started the Holiday Inn? I don't know what happened after the murder that was there. I don't know. <laughs> if- <laughs> oh my God, are you are you on your iPad right no, now? No, I'm on the uh, the computer desk in the room, so I'm stuck here, oh. leaning into my microphone. And I'm walking around my, into my the laptop shaft. in one hand and my microphone in the other. Is that what you call your unit, the microphone? 
Yes. <laughs> it's, one of, it's, one of the, it's one of those clip-on mics. <laughs> <Yeah>. Detachable penis. <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> Have you heard that song? Seagull. Have you guys I think detachable detachable penis? It's an actual song. Look it up. I will. All right. I'm going to pull it up right now. All right. Not my penis, but the song. Yeah, don't pull that up. Yeah. Yeah, it's an actual song. Detachable penis. Is somebody flicking something? Flicking his detachable penis. Here we go. Hold on a second here. Great. I'm the only one who's heard of this song. Doing to that damn microphone. You don't want to know. Yeah, well, I'll play with it. Detachable penis. Detachable penis. Keep going, Mikey. <laughs> we we're onto something here. I can't. I can't. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hang up because I'm very disappointed in myself and right. my performance. All right.
That's going to do it for another episode of Front Row Material. Remember, guys, if you're digging what we're doing, please stop on by iTunes. Go ahead and drop us a review. We'd really appreciate that. helps us climb the iTunes charts. And if you want to help the show in a financial way, don't use any fucking coupons. I'm going to use that for Mikey. Don't use any coupons. I'm going to do the the coupon rant this week for Mikey. Don't use a coupon. Go ahead over to ProWrestlingTees.com. Jerry's got shirts that you can go ahead and purchase awesome designs. Mikey's got them as well. Also, if you are interested, you can go ahead over to the show's website. And I'm going to give you that information right here. The show's website, and we have tons of different shirts here for you. Not only do we have shirts, but we have, I believe we have aprons if you are into barbecuing. We have onesies for babies. And that's going to be shop.spreadshirt.com forward slash FRM I think there's even pod. hoodies. Once again. Coffee mugs. There's hoodies. Coffee mugs, travel mugs, gym bags, you name it. If you're a big fan of when Mikey does the, uh, hey, Bubba, you know, the, uh, I can't that's even right, do it right. Bubba. I can't even do, that's right, Bubba. I humble you. I break your back and fuck you in the ass. Oh, that sounds real scary. <laughs> that sounds like. When I'm taking my blue like chew. Um, so, right. Now all you got to say is candy canes. <laughs> Oh, if you'd like to go ahead and fuck and follow Jerry on, you can follow him at It's Jerry Lynn. If you'd like to follow Mikey, you can follow him at Mikey Whipwreck and then the underscore or the underline as he says. And you'd like to follow me if you'd like. Next week, I was going to say next week, we'll we'll go into more details about the Joy Ryan's penis party because Mikey was there and he, he got to see a lot of the show. I didn't get to see a lot since I was in the back, but uh, I'm sure he'll have some I, I know of one one good story that even he was like, what the heck is this? So, I'm sure there's quite a few of those moments, but You know what? That's the thing about this show. You never know what we're going to talk about, and you're just going to have to tune in each and every week. So, yes, tune in next week. We're going to be talking about that and a whole lot more. That's going to do it for Jerry Lynn and the Mikey Whipwreck, who's not here, who is recovering from bronchitis. Mikey, you're in our thoughts and prayers. I'm Mike Freeland. We'll catch you next week on Fuck So long. Time. We'll talk more about blue chews. Oh, this is a good pickle. <laughs> mm. When I wrap my lips around it, oh. it's like eighth grade summer camp all over again. I know. Mm. How apropos, right, when we get a blue chew sponsor. Mm. When you wrap your lips around it. Okay. The rule.